Warning, this episode contains foul language and very cute baby sounds. listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, creepy, sticky, gross, scary, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with a very special guest and we talk about something weird. And this week is extra great and extra special because my sister is in town. Yay! And baby Wilder is here. And we are talking appropriately about creepy children. Mm -hmm. Why are kids so creepy? Why are some kiddos randomly violent? What are the best scary children's movies? And more. Fasten your Pampers cruisers and let's play. (laughs) My name is Lauren and this is my lovely co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. Hi. 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 And the guest today is the beautiful, lovely, talented, wonderful, badass mama, my sister Julia. Hi, weirdos. <laughs> You've heard her name. Many times. Now you've heard her I'm voice. I'm finally here. She's finally made it yes. to Los Angeles, <laughs> to sunny Los Angeles, California. She's for the here. first time. Just kidding. She's been here multiple times. Right. Um, <laughs> but this is the best. This but is this best. is the best because there's a tiny little goober There's here. a tiny human Oh, wait. Here. We're going to have to be specific now when we say tiny goober. Oh, yeah. Because Gabby was the goober yeah, before. Yeah, Gabby's a goober and Wilder's a goober. Wilder's a goober. He's pushing out a poop right yeah, now. So you're going to hear some so sounds, hear some, maybe. <laughs> some coos. As we all do. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all hear some coos. Um, Yeah, we thought it would be appropriate to, uh, you know, we knew Julia was coming out here and we were like, well, what should we talk about? And Julia was like, anything. I love weird stuff. And I was like, well, wouldn't it be great if we talked about creepy ass kids? Because now we have so many. I'm the only one in the room that doesn't have my own. But Gabby counts. I was just going to say Gabby counts. She's your creepy child. She takes, yeah, she she needs special care and (laughs) it's like having a child and... She's, she's just up she's on her throne right sometimes. now, looking over us, <laughs> looking she's over a the sweet world. Bear. We love her. Wilder um, wasn't sure what to think of my apartment. I think. Yep. Like he when was he finally around. opened his eyes, he was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Very concerned. There's, There's lots so of things many happening. Things in here that I'm not sure about. High stimulation in this apartment, including two jungle cats. <laughs> <laughs> Two jungle cats that stare him down while he sits in his car seat. Uh, We'll post a picture of that later. The cats Um, meeting him. It's so cute. Yeah, it was very sweet. Julia, you have had some experiences with your daughter, Josie. I have. And we've told a few on the the show before, but do you have a like abbreviated history of like the strangeness that's happened with her? I can't remember... Lauren's a way better historian than I am, but <laughs> when no. I was pregnant, I feel like some stuff was going on when we were getting her room together, but I can't remember. That's my mom brain, like, turning to mush. <laughs> but she... So I just showed Ashley and Lauren, actually, a video yeah. of 
her putting a blanket over her head and like yes. in her crib that I saw on the monitor and she wants to play peekaboo with someone or like hide and go seek or she's reaching for someone and then she just sits there with a blanket over her head <laughs> in her crib like not doing anything and that's almost more terrifying yeah like, than playing peekaboo with a stranger yeah um but I would say when my husband and I both heard a voice on the monitor we were downstairs she was upstairs sleeping and we both heard Josie and looked at each other because he usually is like you're crazy there's nothing like right. I don't ever hear anything. I I don't see anything. I don't feel right. anything. What are you it's talking about? Here. And we yeah. both looked at each other and I was like, did you hear that? And we always say that it's his late father who's doing it. But this was a woman's voice. And so that kind of throws that theory out the window a yes. little bit. And then recently the rocking oh, chair. Oh, the rocking chair. Yeah. I was holding her and she was staring at the rocking chair in her room and was like, who's that? Who's that? And like wouldn't get in the rocking chair. And that's like her favorite place to sit. And she was just staring at it. And I was like, oh, my God. Someone's <laughs> in the rocker. Yeah. And then just always I feel like I can hear someone in the house to the point where I'm like, Alex? Or I just or I know Alex, or someone's breaking into yeah, my house. Or Alex, you need to go check. Right. Because right. I can hear someone walking around or opening a door. And it's he's always right by me. My cat's always on the bed when it happens with us. So. Do your cats ever react to anything in your apartment? I mean, house. You don't, you don't live in L.A. Tight. You don't need an apartment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're a normal person you, living in a you're house. You're an adult. You have a house. More than one bedroom. <laughs> yep. um, not Tyg. I guess when we first moved into the house, he would. And no, yeah, even the apartment we lived in. He would like stare at the ceiling, stare behind us, and then run. But cats do that But cats are kind of anyway, weird. But yeah. we always thought he'd, he'd like follow something on the ceiling, get really scared, which he's a flat face cat. So I think it was just goobers in his eyeballs. <laughs> and he thought he was seeing something. He was like, wait, <laughs> hold on a minute. I see something going back and forth. What, what is, is that? Eye crusties. It's my closer. own eye booger. Yes, which is completely possible. So does she play um, peekaboo like that with you? No. That's even fucking weirder. Yeah, no. she doesn't play it like that with you, and then she just like starts doing it in her crib right. by herself. We always weird. use our hands, and we actually haven't played it since she like was one. Now she's gonna be two in July. Like she's kind of grown out of that yeah, game. Yeah, it's a pretty baby, baby game. And even when we did, it was with our hands, and so. And at the beginning of the video, it looked like she was reaching for someone, right? Yeah, like she. Like almost like Marco Polo, yeah. Where she like covers with her, a blanket over, yeah, her head, like feeling <laughs> for someone, the blanket over her head, and then she's like feeling around, yeah. like for whoever's Where's there. Where's my buddy? Wow. Oh gosh, creepy kids, Josie. Yep. Kids are scary. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> creepy kids are. I mean, there's a time. I don't think uh, no one did anything on like black eyed children or anything, right? No. Okay, we've that's a really popular. Before, yeah, we've yeah. talked about that before. I feel like every paranormal podcast has an episode on black eyed children, right. so we're not going to talk about that today. I can give you a reference for another <laughs> yeah podcast Go that talks about it if you want me to. But um, <laughs> no, today um, I'm talking about the 
belief that children have a uh, sixth sense, um, yeah. the psychic powers of children. Sensitive. Um, sensitive, if you will. Good word. Good word, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. Oh, by the way, listeners, are you excited that Lauren's here right now, even though we said she wasn't going to be here for a while, and all of a sudden she's fucking back <gasps> like a like, liar? I'll see you in like June, <laughs> and here I am in April. <laughs> Which is episode we made probably, such a big deal like I know, two episodes like, ago. It's like it's our maternity last leave, and I like, here I am. And she's here, guys. I can't stay Couldn't away for stay long. Away. I could have podcasted from the hospital. I've been ready to come back. Yeah, she has. <laughs> yeah, I was emotional even the last day we recorded because I was like, "When will I ever be back?" And turns out everything's fine. <laughs> Three weeks. It's great. <laughs> slightly dramatic. <laughs> Three weeks from now, shorter than Christmas break. Okay. So um, I did most of my research through books that I've acquired throughout my years of collecting occult literature. One book that I particularly love is called The Psychic Power of Children. It's by Cassandra Eason. And this is one of my most prized occult book possessions. I, I love, love this book so much. I feel much. like I need to read that. It's you so do. good. Yes. Like, you do. Especially. On the way home on the plane. <laughs> right. Like tonight. I take it. <laughs> So Cassandra Eason set out to research the book after her own son had a premonition of her husband getting in an accident on his motorcycle. Mm. So it was 9 a.m. on a Sunday morning. And at the time, she had four children and her youngest one was teething. So this woman did not sleep at the time. And Mm -hmm. uh, her husband, who was a journalist, was on the road. And her two-and-a-half-year-old, whose name was Jack... Jack. They were, like, at the breakfast table eating, and her two-and-a-half-year-old son said out of nowhere, Daddy's gone poly boys on his motorbike, but he's all right. He's gone what? Poly boys. So poly boys was the expression that she used with him when she rolled him around on the floor when she was dressing him. She's British. Oh. So she would say poly boys. We're going poly boys. Oh, my gosh. So that's what she would say when she would roll him around. rolling him around. around. (laughs) That's really cute. all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they're having breakfast, and he's like, Daddy's gone poly boys on his motorcycle, but it's okay. He's all right. She literally said, she was like, my son could have told me the world was ending. And at that moment, I'd be like, that's great, honey. Finish your Cheerios. I'm so tired. Right. Yeah. So she like didn't pay attention. She was like, okay, cool. Okay, bye. And uh, her husband was going to be home in half an hour. So she like didn't think much of it. And then um, he didn't come home. He didn't come home till like about an hour later. And of course, then she was worried because yeah. he was supposed to be home. He hadn't called. And when he finally pulled up, he pulled up and his bike was all banged up and she ran out and he was like, honey. And she was like, I know. Jack already told me. Oh, my God. And he was like, what? And it turns out so like weird. at the exact moment that Jack had said that about going poly boys, he had hit a slick patch of oil and he his bike flipped. Rolled. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So oh, man. After that, she was like, what the fuck? Right. She said that her son had never shown any trace of otherworldliness in any way. Um, So she started to question herself and whether or not she was remembering things correctly. She started to, like, if she had been remembering things correctly, was it all just a coincidence? Mm -hmm. But then he did it again three years later. Oh, my gosh. Um, Same thing, an accident. So he was playing with his Legos. And he told his mom, basically, like, daddy is okay, but he was hit by a big car on a stiff road near an office where there was a tower where people went up and down. So Cassandra was like, really specific. What the fuck are you you Like, what is that? (laughs) What do you want me to do with this? He also said that daddy didn't fall off the bike. 
So she called her husband and asked like if he made it to work okay. And he was like, absolutely. I made it to work just fine. She was like, did everyone else? Because I think he said the daddy and not daddy. So she was like, did everyone else make it to work okay? Thinking maybe he was thinking uh, saw another daddy like someone. He was still young. So like he didn't, you know, daddies. Mm -hmm. Daddies look alike. Look alike. They're all the same. Yeah. But no one had gotten in an accident. So she kind of let it go. Um, She questioned jack more about the crash but he was really uncooperative he just kept saying you know you know like you already know what i'm telling you and she was like i don't i don't and he kept referencing the stiff road and she was like i don't know what a stiff road is (laughs) so anyways three weeks later in november of 1988 her husband was driving back from london he was going about 70 miles an hour and he noticed a bunch of cars slowing down ahead of him so he decelerated to like match their speed but the butcher's van behind him did not and crashed into the back of his bike he managed to not fall off the bike no way by the way he told it it was literally like a one in a million chance that he didn't get like like thrown yeah yeah just thrown off the front of his bike so now cassandra was like okay hold up right because what my son predicted two accidents. This is insanity. That's a little that's a little weird. Yes. And um <laughs> oh my God. she she did kind of say like don't get ahead of yourself, like there are a ton of accidents on that like that same stretch of highway, you know, every month. It's not crazy that his father had been in a couple, but it is crazy that he had been in two and her son had predicted them within a week or within like a month of them happening. One was the day of and one was three weeks before. Right. That's kind of crazy. Yes. But she couldn't find any building on a map that could be seen as a tower with people going up and down. And she couldn't ever get out of him what he meant by a stiff road. Like right. stiff road. Did that mean like stopped traffic stiff or oh, yeah. like... But he what was, did stiff road? Yeah, mean? what does it mean? But when you're that young, he's like six. who knows what that yeah. means? Yeah, and the yeah. thing is, by the time it happened, like by the time he got in the accident, Jack had already forgotten. He was like, I don't fucking what know. What are you talking about? Yeah. Oh wow. I've got other things to do. I've played with Legos so many times since then. Which to me is even more genuine. Yeah. That he wasn't trying to keep going with it or like Right. Like it was some imaginary thing. Yeah. yeah he's yeah, just exactly. like, what? He was just like, yeah, what, what are you talking about? about? Oh, did I mention that? Okay. Did I say that? Great. I don't know. See, okay. <laughs> he all right? Do I still have a dad? Great. So Cassandra, after that, became very interested. And Cassandra was, um, she's spiritualist. Okay. And she believes in like an- guardian angels and stuff like that. Uh-huh. But this was the experience that had her set out to write this particular book. Oh but she became very interested in the theory that children have abilities that extend past the five senses, mm-hmm. abilities that they themselves aren't even aware of and honestly could care less about because <laughs> yeah, most right. kids that seem to have this ability or, you know, show these kind of skills don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it like, watch me yeah. predict exactly. the future. Just they just kind of kinda say it and then they're like, mm, what? I'm going to go play. <laughs> <laughs> I got things to do. Cheerios. Cheerios, please. So during the research into this book, she talks to several families, actually 
like 100 families who have had experiences with their children they can't explain. She talks with child psychiatrists, scientists, psychics, historians, priests, you name it. Like she talks, she covers Mm -hmm. all of her bases. Mm -hmm. One of the things she learned when talking to historians is that throughout history, children have traditionally uh, have been traditionally regarded as having second sight, like throughout human history, which I didn't know. I didn't know that. Until the mid-19th century, young boys would travel around Europe interpreting crystal ball and scrying for their masters. Oh, wow. And especially in ancient Greece, young boys were used specifically for scrying, which we've talked about that on the show before. Scrying is basically like looking into a reflective surface and like telling the future. So in Greece, it was like still water and like... Doesn't have to be a crystal ball. No, no, no. Yeah. And like torches. Right. That's how they did it and then in the 18th century a magician and adventurer Cagliostro often used young children to help him predict the future or perform acts of clairvoyance ah. so th- this has been a thing throughout history this yeah, is no new. idea kids are magical kids are magic <laughs> it seems a lot of the time with children the psychic link is to loved ones and not like like no children's like 9-11 was an inside job right like conspiracy theories children yeah, they like they don't predict like big events it yeah. seems like it's a connection that they have specifically with someone a they're really member. close to like their mom or their dad or someone who's already passed like maybe alex's, alex's dad. dad exactly my alex your alex <laughs> isn't that weird they both married alex's we we actually talked about that on Right. I think the first episode. That's crazy in and of itself. Yeah, it's a little little weird. weird. (laughs) Not really that weird. No, because it'd be weird (laughs) if it was like, yeah, I was going to say it'd be weird if it was like, we both married a Leopold. It's like, you found the two Leopolds left (laughs) and you both married them. them. That's interesting. That's like twins that are like, I want to marry another set of twins. And it's like, Mm. should you? Should you though? Is that what like we it. want? I'm not into is that, is that what we want for our lives? Is that what we lives? want with our lives? No. <laughs> so, like, Jack's link was to his father, who he completely adored. And then I actually have this other story. Uh, this is someone you might know. Sir Peter Scott. He was a naturalist, a painter, and a sailor. And he told a story about um, when he was a child. And this was told to him by his mother, who was a complete skeptic when it came to anything paranormal. She didn't believe in any of this. That he knew when he was young, very small, the moment that his own father died. Mm. He, his dad, Captain Scott, had died in the Antarctic in his quest to reach the South Pole. And Sir Peter Scott said to his mother, Daddy's stopped working now. Oh, oh my god. And gosh. she didn't know what, that, what meant. that meant. But six months later, their frozen bodies were found and they had been dead for about six months oh like pretty much like right around the time he said daddy stopped working now Ugh. but this is actually a fun fact so sir peter's mother's name was kathleen bruce and she was the sculptress who created the famous peter pan statue in kensington gardens <gasps> hey. Hey. we hunted <laughs> that down when we were there really yeah. yeah we were creepily obsessed with the peter, peter pan, pan movie in like 2000 the one with Four? jeremy sumter Three? yeah and oh, pa- jeremy sumter is like the cute little boy with blonde hair. Yes. Oh, okay. He was Peter Pan, and what's his toes? Who played Lucius Malfoy was Hook. Mm-hmm. I forget that actor's name. Jason. Yes. Isaacs. Someone's probably screaming it 
at us right now, but yes. <laughs> and we were obsessed with that movie. So when really? we went to London with our family, we were like, we have to find this statue. And, and when we found it, by the way, it's hours. like the most unimpressive piece of art in it the really world. Wasn't. It really wasn't that special. Sorry, Maybe Kathleen. I know. Yeah. Other people might love it. We were jet lagged also, so that could have been it. That was it. That was it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Kathleen, you did a really good job on that Peter Pan set. Yes, you're dead. You did. So, but if you're you listening did. from the afterlife, <laughs> she was the sculpture who created that famous statue because J.M. Barry was Peter Scott's godfather. So, actually, there is evidence that shows that Captain Scott was actually probably thinking about his wife and son around the time that his son was like saying daddy saying stopped things. working right now because he captain scott actually wrote to jm barry around that time and said um i want you to help take care of my widow and son <gasps> oh my gosh so was his son just connecting to him subconsciously and that's why he said daddy stopped working right. now or did he know that his dad his dad passed away like so that's the Either kind way. of thing that she looks at in this book is it is it like a psychic ability to be able to see what's happening or is yeah. it a connection with just feeling other people connection yeah <clears throat> oh man it's nutty either how way old, how old either was way. the kid um it it didn't say actually okay. you just said I just when wondered. i was a child okay old enough to say that old right. enough to say old daddy to... stopped working now yeah so on this idea of children having a psychic connection to parents she was able to get some amazing stories from places like the national childbirth trust and the la leche breastfeeding league not mm -hmm. at all the sort of people you'd expect to come out with paranormal stories but they no. knew exactly what she was talking about especially in terms of the psychic connection between a baby and its mother. Yes. And like the way that, for example, with newborn babies, especially if you have like an older child in the house too, mm -hmm. mothers can sleep through the older child cry. Oh. But not through the newborn's cry. Interesting. And they think that it could have to do with the fact that like that psychic connection is still so strong. Like right. it hasn't actually separated yet. Yeah. Because... It's so fresh, like right. he was just they a part just of you. Left yeah, you. <laughs> and uh, it most of the time, and there's actually been sleep studies done on this. This isn't just like I know it happened because like it's hard to tell what happens when you're sleeping. Uh -huh. But there's actually been sleep studies that mothers of newborns wake up before their child starts crying. Mm. I believe. That. I believe yeah. that too. <laughs> so they wake 100%. up, and, and then, then the kid starts he crying. Starts. Yeah. yeah, because there's I like a that. weird. You just Connection, know. yeah. Yep. And, and this bond beyond our normal understanding between mother and baby have even like, you know, they've saved child's lives before. Right. Where like the mom's like, I know something's wrong. Yeah. I have and to go check. to my baby. Yeah. And then something is actually wrong. And there's no way that they could have known. No. Mama. I get it wild. I, I will it. say there are times where I like wake up just during the night and I look at the monitor and I'm like, I'm not going to lay back down yet because I just know... She's going to start crying. And then it's like, ah! <laughs> like, I didn't even want to put my head back down because you knew. I just knew, even though she's laying there sleeping. Right. Like, I woke up and I'm like, yep, this is it. Like, yep, this is happening. Yeah, I can right. feel it. I, yeah. Mom intuition is so strong. Yes. 
Well, it seems like the tie between mother and child seems to fade as the child grows up. But sometimes even as adults, we may send out a mental distress signal that our mothers pick up on. Um, You've heard it a million times and maybe it's even happened to you how like mom will call at a moment where you like really need your mom. Yes. And she won't even know why. Mm -hmm. She's just like, I just thought I should call you. And it's like, how did you know? That's definitely happened. Right? So uh, it does seem like that tie is still there somehow, whether it's strong or not. So Cassandra sets out to interview as many people as she can. She describes them as ordinary people with ordinary children who sometimes have out of the ordinary things happen to them. Hmm. During the course of the book, she constantly references how difficult it is to scientifically study psychic abilities. And that's something that I've always been interested in, too, because there's so many people that claim to be psychics and have that ability. And there's so many people that have claimed to, like myself, who have had instances where you've had a psychic experience or you've had that connection to your child. And you have scientists saying, like, absolutely not. It's fake. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, it's not... I'm telling you that this happened. So, like, I can't prove it. it? But it happened. It happened. It's very difficult to prove it because you can't use the scientific method. Mm -hmm. Being able to repeat the same thing and get the same result. Mm -hmm. Like, you can test. That's so true. You can test, like, people who claim to be, like, professional psychics in that way. But, like, you can't test someone like me who's, like, I've had several dreams before. And then the dream Or I've had several true. experiences. But it's, like, I can't control it. Right. So, it's, like, how can't are you going to command. repeat that? Oh. <laughs> yes, sir. That was a belch. Yes, belch. So, yeah. So, LaCroix how are you going <laughs> to repeat that right. test? It makes it quite difficult. Yeah. And especially children. So she talks about the well-known psychic test. Uh, Do you know what Zener cards are? No. Okay. You remember in Ghostbusters when Peter Vinkman has the cards and there's like a squiggly line, a star, a heart shape, and the students are trying to guess what the shape is. Of course, he's doing it completely wrong because he's just telling the hot girl that she's getting him right and she's buzzing the guy who's getting him wrong. But... (laughs) That's Zener cards, and that's okay. like kind of like the well-known test for psychic abilities. Gotcha. And there's like a deck of a hundred. There's twenty-five of each. And uh, the thing is, though, is that you can't get a child to sit down and like actively participate in that. No. For a hundred cards worth, right? Like, what Who do you think this? Down is? It'd be that. like yeah. three cards, and they'd be like. Okay, can we go outside now? Like, even if they are psychic, like, they don't give a shit. Like, I'm going to go play. Excuse me. Exactly. So (laughs) to be able to expect that a normal child would be able to even do one round of this test without getting bored is ridiculous. And another reason that it's hard to test people on psychic abilities, specifically those in which it seems like there's a, a, a mental connection, but with another person is because they happen during times of stress Mm. so i guess you could test it in a super like unethical way by like putting the sender in like some sort of distress and then like having the receiver say what they but like that's That's like how are you gonna do that says that i mean i'm sure like in the 70s the united states government did that did those things 100 we'll find out when they uh release those records but yeah we'll talk about it on here (laughs) But there are conflicting beliefs about this. 
Scientists claim that children are just picking up on signals from those around them. Hmm. Like, for example, many children have predicted the deaths of their fathers at war. In fact, psychic abilities have noted a significant increase during war times. And scientists would say that this is because the children are already worried about their parents. And sure. they're just voicing their concerns. And it's a coincidence that it lines up with an actual death. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I guess. But I don't know how many kids are going around being like, dad's dead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Who and then he is. That? You know and what I mean? he actually is. Yes. You'd have to like, re- you'd have to write down like everything a child says. Right. And compare it. Like, mm-hmm. did the child say that their dad was dead and the dad survived? Right. But no one writes that down. No one is because recording that. No one Who's cares. doing that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or for example, there are stories about parents knowing when their kids have been hurt. Mm-hmm. Like one woman who dreamt of her daughter being in an overturned car in a ditch and finding out the next day her father's truck had flipped over and they were all rushed to the ER. Oh, but the thing is, is like they were traveling cross country. So she was already like, it's not crazy to think that she had dreamt of a car accident yeah yeah she was thinking about those things she was worrying about her Mm -hmm. child so it's just not testable so all of the like evidence towards children having psychic abilities or like the special sixth sense it's all just you know if we were to take it to court it's all just like coincidental I guess. Is that the word? It's not like hard evidence? Circumstantial. Circumstantial. That's why we have you here today. Way to go, Julia. We're just hold the baby. Hold the baby and give us the words. Give us some words. Give us some vocabulary. I am the person screaming at the podcast in my car. And I'm like, (laughs) it's this actress. How does Lauren not know that? I know. It's always like someone I know so well. And it's, of course, when you're on recording a podcast. Oh, Ooh, goodness. Well, I always no, brag I mean, about how well behaved he is, and he's screaming his head off our first time <laughs> back because recording. babies know. They, they know. just know. Yep. They're like, Mom's trying to do something. Mom's trying I'm to do well. No, I mean, I even, when I start editing, I'll be editing and I'll be like, Ah, Room Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> it was freaking Room Raiders. That was the funniest text I've ever gotten. We recorded an episode recently. We were trying to remember the awful slash best show, Room Raiders, on MTV. Oh, my god! And Ashley texted me like four days after we recorded just saying Room Raiders in caps lock with no other context. And I knew exactly. Like, yep. Yeah, yeah. That was that it. Was that one. was the show. That right. was it. Forgot about that show. Yes. Uh, it's great. Do you guys remember the show after you said Room Raiders? Then I went on like a rabbit hole, like <laughs> digging of old MTV shows. Do you guys remember Next? Yeah. Where like oh, all yeah, the guys would Next. be on a bus and they'd come out. And if she thought he was hideous, she'd just go Next. And he'd have to get a back on the bus. Well, there's on that. Do you remember that? <gasps> Yes. Oh wait, who let that here? out? Oh, yeah, I was like, <laughs> no names. Z N. Z N. I just shouted it out because I got excited. Yeah, he got nexted, didn't he? He did. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, <laughs> he did. Well, yeah, because you could like go on a date and then like even like halfway through the date be like, oh, you no. have an unhealthy relationship with your mother. Next. next. But I always loved it when they like just walk off the bus and they're yep. like, nope, next. And Those were like, my oh. favorite. <laughs> so <laughs> brutal. Like, oh. Oh, oh Jesus! Geez. I need to rethink was it my everything. Hair? <laughs> was it my hair? I need to redo my whole life. Okay, this story is kind of bananas. I'm excited. So, the ability doesn't always come during moments of duress. That's just kind of like the most popular time that people have had accounts of this kind of thing. Sure. But there was a story told to Cassandra from a woman named Doris. Doris was it, 
she changed her name for the story, but we're going to call her Doris. I like Doris. I do too. That's Me a too. really nice it's name. It's a nice mm-hmm. name. Sounds like a grandmother. Yes. yes. Kind old lady. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Sorry, Doris. <laughs> no, definitely. Because this starts out in 1964. Oh, so, yeah. She's a Doris. Doris said that once in 1964, she was waiting for a train in Manchester with her four-year-old daughter on the way to see her mother. Her daughter was reading a picture book and she was daydreaming. She was actually thinking about a time when she was younger and living in Sussex and how she had just gotten off a train from a trip to London and her feet hurt. So she took off her shoes and walked home. She was reminiscing about how it felt to take off her heels and how the road felt under her stockings as she walked home. When her daughter Susan looked up from her book and said, why do you never let me walk down the road without shoes? Oh, my. Oh, my God. I'd be like, Josie? Josie? <gasps> Josie? We got we to gotta do something about we gotta that. We got to go see Dr. Uh, yeah. <laughs> go see a specialist now. Go see a friend. So Cassandra, you know, questioned her and said maybe without knowing it, could Doris have been wiggling her feet out of her shoes when she was thinking of the story? Maybe her daughter picked up on it. That's probably what experts would say. But that's so specific. That is yeah. so specific. Yeah. Like it would literally have to be that she was talking out loud. Right. And her Which, daughter heard it. And it really maybe. seems like her daughter like saw what she was remembering and yes. was like, wait, why can't like, I walk down the street without shoes into on? Her brain like, somehow. Yeah. You get to walk down the street without right. shoes on. So that's terrifying. <laughs> that is terrifying. Susan. Susan. Susan? <laughs> I just can't. Uh, one doctor she spoke to his name was dr spinelli did carry out some tests with children as long as young as three goodness some tests with children as young as three that seemed to show that small children had considerable telepathic powers he found that three-year-olds did best of all and the ability declined from then on until the age of eight when the results like those of adults were about the same chance as guessing Hmm. Dr. Spinelli found that the results were best when children tested together were the same age and even better when they had the same IQ. His interpretation of the experiments indicated that telepathic powers come from the same source as ordinary thought, but that in young children, this ability has not been suppressed by learning yet. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, like they haven't kind of... Basically, he was saying that these powers, the telepathic abilities are sort of like externalized thinking that ceases to happen when the child learns that thoughts stay in your head. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Because when kids are little, they're just like, this is what I'm thinking. This is what's on my mind. Sometimes it's an insult because they'll look at someone and be like, like, you're a weird size. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I used to call people pizza face when I was known. So like you just say what a thought comes in and you're like, oh. Julia was also the queen of if she didn't like a gift, she made it known. I don't know if you yeah. remember that. Mom has just told yeah. me that when you were little, if you got a present you didn't like, you're like, this is terrible. And like threw it <laughs> yeah. down on the ground. Like, it was I really didn't sweet. want this. And the person who got it for her was like, oh, okay. Well, right. sorry, Uncle Dave. Yeah. She hasn't learned yet that you don't say right. everything that you, right. you have no filter. Think. Exactly. They still believe. Yeah. And they have a lot of energy at three. Like, I think that's the most energetic you're going to be in your life when you're at three. three. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Unless you're napping and then yes. you're dead to the world. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> then you're collapsed. <laughs> and then it's yes. gone. 
But yeah, he said uh, telepathy only strikes adults as odd or unusual because they have a strong sense of self-consciousness, a notion that our thoughts are hours and hours alone, but children don't think about that. Right. Like we could have a thought come into our head and we know that that thought came from our brain. Like mm-hmm. we thought that thought. But like, how do you know that you thought that thought? Like we don't even know what a consciousness is. Like right. the thoughts we in your head came from. don't have to come from you and mm-hmm. children don't subscribe to that at all because they don't care they right. don't they've never so heard the word consciousness before so they're <laughs> just their living their lives so let's move on we're gonna go to ghosts ghosties <laughs> we're just talking about this it's very much so known by people who believe in paranormal activity that children have a special ability to sense and or experience the paranormal but it's really hard to research children's experiences of seeing ghosts because it's hard to be sure what it is a child is actually describing. Young children's language can be very vivid, but their their ability to articulate their experience is so vague and can be so misleading. Cassandra actually gives a really funny example of a time that they were camping and her son Jack came running into the tent to announce that there was a panda bear outside. Oh. And she was freaking out because they were like a mile away from the zoo. So oh she actually God. thought a panda bear got out and she was like, I have to call the police. Like, like this is actually panda bear. possible. And uh, so she got out of the tent and was like ready to run. And it was <laughs> it was a cow <laughs> in Oh, my his God coloring book but oh. he wasn't lying he wasn't exaggerating yeah. there was it had like the markings of kind of a panda bear. sure I so in see his head there was a panda be a bear outside of the tent so but it wasn't it was a drawing of a cow <laughs> in a book but like the way he said it was like there's a panda bear right so you have to be very careful when interpreting what a child says they saw because in their mind they saw it just now and right. it was real, but it yes. could have been something on TV a week ago, something they saw a picture of, or even something that they misinterpreted yeah. as something else. You can't jump to conclusions. Yeah. Uh, one of my absolute favorite phenomenon involving children is imaginary friends. Yes. I love this. <laughs> yes. Because Lauren we, had lots. <laughs> yeah. I had lots of imaginary friends. And judging by the woman who moved into our house on Seneca after us, Possibly, possibly a ghost, a ghost either an imaginary friend do you or remember ghost. any of your imaginary friends yes i remember the cat and the dog pairing named lick and buddha who julia remembers well very well there was a dog <laughs> named lick and a cat named buddha who danced around me and talked to me those were those had to have been actual imaginary friends even though i remember vividly what they look like but I don't imagine that I was seeing a ghost dog and cat. So I think I just had a really nice. But you do remember them like seeing them. I remember seeing them in my bedroom. Yes. Like it was an orange like scruffy looking dog, which is weird because orange is normally a color to describe a cat. But it was an orange scruffy dog. And then the cat looked like the Cheshire cat. I remember, but didn't have stripes or any weird coloring. Like was just kind of a chubby looking cat, but was all gray with white at the tip of his tail. And they just danced around. Their names were Lick and Buddha. Like, what are those names? <laughs> we did. I did. No, I was too young. I was like, there was a teacher at St. Thomas yeah, named Mrs. I Buddha. Had her, but I don't know. I think you... I was still too young, though, yeah. to have known that. Yeah. Anyway, 
And I was licking Buddha and they danced and sang songs to me. And I would come downstairs and be like, me licking Buddha have a show to perform for you. And the family was like, what the Great. fuck are you talking about? And that was my life. Here she goes again. Here I know. she goes. <laughs> it's like, I'm going to sing part one. Buddha's going to sing part two. It's just and silent. And going to sing part three. And it was complete <laughs> silence when it was the dog and cat's turn. But I weirdly, yeah, that's all I remember. I don't remember the little girl that I apparently was always talking to, but... But others remember you talking to yes. her. Yeah. Well, studies have shown that 65% of children under the age of seven have had an imaginary friend, and one in five of those children seem to have permanent imaginary friends, meaning it's the same friend with them for a number of years. Because yes, the thing is, that. like, it's not weird for a kid to be like, I'm playing with my friend. Right. And then, like, that friend never shows his face again because it's their imagination. They're just doing a thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But one in five kids. Ha- is it one in five? Did I say that? One in five? Yeah. One in five children seem to have permanent friends. So it's the same friend over and over again. See, that's interesting. And uh-huh. studies also show this actually depends more so on the child's temperament than on loneliness. Okay. So it has nothing to do with like being an only child. Also, the proportion rises steeply among gifted children. Psychologist in the 80s, Dr. Lewis Terman, found that of 554 gifted children between 5 and 13, 72% of girls and 42% of boys had permanent invisible companions. Mm. And it could be that intelligent, creative children find that they have less in common with their contemporaries and find companions that they can create in their mind to be more satisfying. Especially if they're like way smarter like they belong in a gifted school like and they're bored and they're bored especially around kids their own age where it's like i can't relate to you so i'm gonna make up a friend (gasps) who is my more my caliber yeah more my more my speed yeah you guys aren't doing it for me so a lot of a lot of mothers especially back in the day worried about imaginary friends they thought that having them would suggest uh, mental instability and that acknowledging them or pretending they exist would encourage the children to continue with their fantasy but psychologists actually say it's not a bad thing and that you should encourage imaginary friends if your child says they have one for children to grow up confident and with a sense of worth They need to have all of their experiences treated with an importance that they themselves attach to them. So if it's so important to your kid that you acknowledge Jezebel, then like acknowledge Jezebel. Jezebel. Yeah. Yeah. Like pretend she's real. Make her a PB&J. Yeah. I get that. Exactly. Like set a place at the table for her. Like it's not, your kid's not crazy. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so when imaginary friends get really interesting is when they start Shart <laughs> is when it's they shart. It smells and that's it weird. Freaks and it's weird. Is when they start sharing information with children and the children seem to know things that they shouldn't or couldn't know because that makes it strange. Creepy. We'll be talking about that. A little bit. Yeah. So, for example, one woman in the book who's identified as Jan tells the story of her imaginary friend Jill. So it's spelled J-E-L-L-O-T, and I believe it's Jell-O. Jell-O. But Jell-O. 
So <laughs> fancy <laughs> French. Jello. Jello came around when she was three, according to her mother, and she went everywhere with her. And she said she even remembers holding Jello's hand and feeling the warmth, just like she was holding the hand of a real person, which is why I was asking, like, you remember exactly what they look like? Yes. Because she even remembers, like, the texture of Jello's coat that she always wore oh, wow. like she it's very specific it's like so detailed yeah one day jam was in the living room with her mom listening to a program on the radio so this was like a million years ago <laughs> when there was a knock at the door and jan ran to get it at the door was jello standing there with a woman that she didn't know and the woman told her auntie bay who was the woman that lived down the street had died Jan turned to her mom in the living room and said, Mom, why has Auntie Bay died? And her mom told her not to be silly, and they finished the program, but Jan insisted that Jello and a woman she didn't know said Auntie Bay had died. Oh, so boy. after the program, her mom went to Auntie Bay's. She couldn't get an answer at the house. She Ooh. asked Auntie Bay's neighbor if she'd seen her, and the neighbor said she hadn't, but she'd call Auntie Bay's brother. And later in the afternoon, the neighbor came over and said that Auntie Bay had died in the night and that they just went and found the body. Oh There's no way that Jan could have known. No. Not yeah. even like Auntie Bay's own brother or neighbor didn't know. Right. But she said that her imaginary friend came to the door with some like random woman. Which that's what's who, weird to me is like she didn't just say Jello told yeah. her. She's like, no, there was a woman with. There was a fucking weird right. woman. Jello it was like Jello brought yeah. this woman yeah. over to say like, that. She to say has that news. To her. Yeah. That's, that's what like gets me. So like, that's where it becomes like, okay, there's no this way you could have known this and your imaginary friend told you this. Right. Who's your imaginary friend? Yeah. Let's hear more about this. Let's hear about that. <laughs> but this is kind of interesting. Many people who identify as psychic have stated that when they were younger, when they were kids, before they understood their abilities, they had permanent imaginary friends that would tell them information. Oh. And it's their belief that these weren't actually beings, but it was their own mind's way of either telling them they had a gift or processing the information that was being given to them that like that they were receiving. And when Cassandra learned this through, learned about this through uh, an American psychologist, Dr. Keith Harari, who had psychic experiences himself when he, is a ch when he was a child, she asked Jan, the woman who had that experience when she was little, if she had ever had any psychic experiences, and she said, yes, she had. So mm. that kind of dun, dun, lined dun. up. And Jan then went on to have three boys of her own, and her youngest boy, Ian, ended up having a permanent imaginary friend named Andrix. Andrix? Andrix. Okay. It's a good name. That is. Um, and Andrix was really interesting. I'll just tell you this because it's just like cool. But um, Andrix, one time Jan walked in and all of Ian's toy cars were out and all the hoods were up. And she asked, like, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm showing Andrix a car engine because he's never seen one before. And she was like, oh, really? And he was like, yeah, because um, when he was alive, they didn't have cars they had carriages and they were carried by horses. And uh, Andrix is like, th or uh, her kid Ian is like three. He wouldn't know that. Three. Yeah. Oh. He also at one point said, again, like three years old, said that um, one of his older brothers had gotten like a fountain pen and it kept disappearing. And he kept saying, Andrix keeps taking it. And she was like, well, why would Andrix want it? And he's like, he's fascinated by it because he said he wrote with a feather. Oh my gosh. 
Oh, and it was like man. he doesn't know what a he fucking quill yeah, no is. A feather, yeah. Like <laughs> he wouldn't know that people wrote with feathers. So that was interesting too. This is cool. This is uh, we're moving off of that book. One thing I wanted to touch on today is demonic possession. Ah, always fun. You see it in just about <laughs> every possession movie. The Exorcist, obviously, being the most successful, the possessed child, which I think you'll probably talk about that a little bit as well, Tad Julia. <laughs> Now, the major belief is that children are possessed because it's the perversion of innocence, but it could potentially be because of a child's sensitivity to things that are considered not of this world. Like they're just more sensitive and they're more open and therefore they're easier to influence. Yeah. So uh, Reverend Tom Willis, he was a vicar in the Church of England and he was one of the 10 dioceses of York, worked with the occult basically his whole life. He was an exorcist, but he didn't like to be called that because he said it brought about visions of black cloaks and fire spitting from his fingers. Okay, well, I wouldn't have gone there, but... Right. He was just like, it's too dark. Like, that's not what I do. It's too macabre. He worked with uh, the paranormal cases involving the church for many years and was actually contacted by the police for several possession cases as well. What the Reverend dealt with the most was poltergeists, actually. Oh, and something that is almost always a given with poltergeists is that there's a child involved. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, poltergeists are believed to be an electrical force that comes from a living person who is re- repressing great anger, but it can also be any emotions of any kind. And a child who doesn't know how to process emotions properly, this can sometimes cause a buildup and then a violent release of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. Like there's no evil involved with a poltergeist situation. It's all natural. It's just something right. that we do not understand yet. And we don't understand like how it can be externalized. Right. And actually most cases of poltergeist activity, according to the reverend that he's worked with, have ceased with family counseling, not exorcism. Whoa. It's literally just that. like Emotion. child and family counseling, like learning how to control your emotions and learning how to like get that under control is what causes the poltergeist to like to cease. Yeah. So anyways, there are really fantastic chapters in this book that I wasn't really able to get to today. Chapters on the bonding between a mother and a newborn baby. More on that. There's chapters on changelings, past lives, fairies, the ability to see angels, uh, when they're around death, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a really great book. You should check it out. I mean, yes. there's a ton of books on um, children's psychic abilities and like the special sensitivity that they seem to have. Right. And it's I think it's interesting because it's it's easy to to kind of see both sides. Like it's easy to be like, well, you know, children have a great imagination. That's right. why they say this stuff. Or right. children are always kind of looking around and that's why it seems like they're looking at things that aren't there. Yeah. But there are also it. some cases that are just too specific. No. They're right. too bizarre. Like, it makes no sense. It seems okay. that they, like they were would given have the said knowledge. something else if they just wanted attention. Right. But yeah, to say stuff that no one else knows or to just be so off the wall yeah. and you're like, okay, he's not just... Yeah. And one of the things she said in the book, too, if you want to, especially you guys that have small children, if you want to, like, not necessarily experiment. That's a horrible thing to say about, like, with I your will. child. I will. <laughs> I'll experiment. I volunteer I as tribute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but when they say things to you like that, like, you know, I saw grandpa or when they say weird things to you like that, 
react as neutrally as possible and just be like, oh, really? What do you say? Like, because if you say like, what? Right. Really? Then they're like, oh, that's a fun. That got a reaction. Yeah, that yeah. got a reaction. I'm going to say gonna that do some more. more. Yeah. They actually had a really cool Ghost Hunters episode like that. I think it was like season one or two. It was back when they actually went to houses say, that weren't like- haunted sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they just right. went to like residential places and sometimes they're like, it's not haunted. Nothing's um, going on. As opposed to like now where everywhere they go is haunted Super all the time. Haunted. And it's all always a demon. Yeah. yeah. Like- but yeah, they went to this house and like the second the team walked in, this little girl that lived there was like, mommy, mommy, are they the ghost hunters? And and like all the activity centered around the little girl and they put two and two together. So every time she says something like that, the parents get excited and they're like, you saw where? Where'd you see the ghost? And she's like, ah, in my room. You know what I mean? It's like that then positive she starts going on a story. Yeah. yeah. So basically just like log everything your child says that's strange but like try not to like give too much of a positive reaction i mean don't be like don't say that that's wrong yeah. right but just, just like saying, as oh. neutral as possible be oh, like what oh, did really? he say oh what did he say interesting and then okay. like take note and then you can walk away and be like oh my god that was insane <laughs> yeah have the reaction later yeah that's a good idea now that josie is talking more yeah. start to really pay attention to what she right. says and i do need to be careful because she's at the perfect age where she will be like she's watching for my reaction mm-hmm. which is why it was so pure before yeah, and really scared the crap out of me is because I was like, she's one. Like, yeah. how how is she doing? This? She can hardly sit. She can't like, manipulate or walk. Right. Yeah, she's not gonna like calculate <laughs> like her next move. Right. How do I get mom? To how be do I like- get mom to be very excited to hear what I have to say? Yes. <laughs> anyway, so that was my uh, psychic children spiel today. That was I awesome. Hear about mm-hmm. some. Um, I want to read that book. Child yes. murderers. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Sorry it was all me talking, but that's just the way the cookie crumbled this time. Next week, we'll be back with part two, and Lauren is going to tell us about some children who murdered. It's rough. And Julia is going to be talking about spooky children in movies and just why we are so darn scared of them. Tomorrow, we're going to be at the May Market at T-Pop in North Hollywood, and we want to see you. We're going to be recording interviews with just about anyone who wants to be on the show, and we want to hear about your creepy, spooky, weird experiences and your paranormal theories. We'll also be selling some merch, giving out candy, and having a t-shirt raffle if you want to win a free t-shirt. Follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast across all platforms. Check out our Patreon page if you want to find ways that you can donate to the show to get newsletters and bonus episodes. And you can find that at www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. Check out our Etsy page if you want some sweet merch. www.etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast. As usual, thank you so much for listening and for continuing to support our show. As for a sign-off today, I'm going to leave you with this little nugget of wisdom. Kids say the darndest things. Or do they? We will see you next week and keep it weird.
Beep-bo-bop. Oh. 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 Taking note from Aunt Ashley. <laughs> Good boy. 